It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Hey, now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome back, everybody. We are here with episode 107. And for this, uh, kind of for the special feature this week, we're going to do breakout players. Joe and I have each picked five breakout players so far this season. We'll get into them. But first up, we're going to hit the listener mailbag. Then we will do, it's a big mailbag too. Then we will do our two takes and then hit the breakout players. How was your week, Joe? Good. You know, we'll get uh, into the heart of the shootout kind of season coming up we got martin luther king weekend coming up it's you know you, it's like the second stretch you kind of cut the like coaches do cut that season up into different parts and i think we're into phase two post-holiday tournament and you know some key conference games and, and shootouts coming up in the next you know month month and a half your favorite martin luther king action is uh it's not too shabby yeah it's better than the last couple of years that's for sure I, I agree. Monday slate's kind of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Sunday's dead, so it, it seems a little less busy, I guess. Um, yeah, I I agree. Um, overall, I I took advantage of some technology this week. I was sitting here in my office watching games on TV. Oh uh, uh, yeah, I uh, watched actually a few taped games. See, I don't know how you. Um, yeah, I can't do that. Well, well can, that's that's strictly for. Scouting, yeah. players' purposes, but <laughs> I guess yes. I, I technically did because Mundelein Stevenson was over, but I didn't know who won. <laughs> so do you t- do you tweet while you watch games? No, um, okay. I w- I would have during the when I was because wa- I was watching the DePaul prep shootout the last two games while I was watching Young and Simeon down in Highland, and I would have tweeted about those, but I was just too busy watching them all. It was kind of hard to keep track yeah. of everything going on. Otherwise I would, and you know, it wasn't going well um, until the DJ Stewart young thing, the Simeon game wasn't real great. And I was on a bad delay that NF- NFHS. Do you watch much live on it? Yeah. I mean, not a lot. It's so I mean, delayed. I, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's hard for me, but yeah, well, I think it's hard too. Or, or and that that enjoyable. No, I agree. That's why I can only do it on like big events. Like right. you know, when it's a big and that's a big event to me, that Highland shootout. So I've but it's like eighty it was like eighty dollars for the year. This mm-hmm. thing. And then it's like ten minutes behind. I mean, I would like <laughs> I'm gonna craft a letter to these people. They gotta step this up because it's, you can't call it a live stream if it's that far behind. It's a, a delayed <laughs> stream is what I've got. But anyway, let's get into these questions here. Um, Alex Andre starts us off. Oh, I shouldn't start out with this one. Whatever. Um, Alex, uh, once well, here, well, here's the question. What? Cause it's just a sarcastic comment. Um, and I've had a, a week full of people on my case, so I didn't need to start the podcast with this, but I've opened up the can of worms. So here we are. Let's eat it. Uh, Alex says, Mike, when's your yearly Illinois isn't reaching out to Chicago area coaches enough article coming. All right. Well, how many gyms have you seen Brad Underwood in, Joe? We haven't had like a bunch of articles on it. <laughs> I don't think you've had yearly articles. No. I mean, third. 
<laughs> I haven't, but yeah. What I happens mean, I, with, I with this Illinois coaching staff generally is I would I, I think that Morgan Park. Um, they've been going to some Morgan the, Park games. The, yeah. the opening uh, Morgan Park uh, young game. I think they were at one recently too, um, from what I heard. But generally, what I've heard from this Illinois group is. I get a, all the recruiting guys that love Illinois tell me about how nobody they're recruiting is in the shootout, and that's why they're not coming. And then six months later, they're recruiting ten guys from that shootout. <laughs> and that seems to be the general way it goes. But um, anyway, question number two, is Joe surprised by how Jalil Okafor's pro career has gone this far? Uh, yes and no. Yes, because uh, he, he, the, it's very rare to have a rookie year that just dwarfs every other season you've had in your career in you know five six years his rookie year he was 17 18 points a game and seven rebounds it looked like oh okay but the game no no because the game's so different I mean, they just don't use guys like julia logo for anymore they just don't uh they don't covet them they don't play with through them they don't do that so but uh he's you know still 24 still you know he's playing 16 20 minutes 16 17 minutes a game carving out an nba career so you didn't I mean, see the entire NBA changing the way it played. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and uh, but it is interesting though that he had such a really solid numbers-wise yeah. uh, rookie year. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. Next up, Curtis Powell. He uh, says, "Good morning." Sent this one in the morning. We don't get a lot of morning questions. Uh, he, he says, "At the midpoint of the season, who are the four teams most likely to make it to state in three A, four A?" We've got another one of those, so we're going to hit that a little bit later. Also because the, um, whatever you want to call it, the draw, the IHSA made the drawing or the ping pong balls. I think maybe they have something different now. Um, anyway, they decided which super sectionals were going to play one another in Peoria, so kind of the bracket is ready. So we're going to get into that later with another question, and we'll discuss that a little bit. But Curtis's second question is about Niles Norris Aquan Smart. He wants to know what schools are a good fit for him. What do you think, Joe? Well, I mean, you know, he decommitted from East Tennessee State, <clears throat> and he has had just a blowout senior – or not blowout, just a monster senior season. You know, DePaul has shown – has been the most engaged and probably of all the schools uh, in, in recruiting him right now. Uh, there's a whole bunch of high majors that have been in and or, – or coming this weekend, in mm-hmm. fact – you know, Texas A&M, Iowa State, Maryland, they're all coming. Uh, Wyoming, you know, Siena offered him. And uh, Indiana's been in to see him. So he's got a kind of a wide range from mid-majors to high majors that are still actively evaluating him, I should say. So, you know, I, I won't be surprised if he ends up at a high major. I've got him ideally – perfect world like a mid-major plus which is you know like a a10 school or a mountain west school uh so he just the 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 answer to the question though the best spot for him is clearly a school that gets up and down uh that plays a little bit more free gets out in transition where he can really thrive and excel in in what he does best which is which get out in the break open court and uh, use his length athleticism and speed with the basketball yeah, no doubt. But yeah, it seems like he'd be really, as you said, that mid-major plus is perfect. He'd be really great there. In the high major, it might be. A well, it'd be a, a pro. The, the yeah. approach would be more likely to be, you know, 
we take a guard and we develop and, you know, he can play by the time he's a little bit later in his career uh, at, 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 a, at a high major. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they can, if they can, yeah, I mean, nobody does that. And, anymore. And nobody does that anymore. You're right. Yeah. Uh, but if schools, you know, or if the player does and kind of waits and bides her time and, um, but yeah, that's a different route that a lot of people don't want to go down. That's the truth. Next up is Rob Lang. I like this one. I'm going to read this one. Um, he says he's a rookie. He, he admits it. He says, I'm new to following high school basketball. We don't, we don't hear that a whole lot. Um, maybe occasionally for some parents, but, and his question actually is a question I've been getting a lot recently and also has a point that I think is interesting. So anyway, I'm just going to read it. Uh, he's really enjoying our coverage. He subscribed. Thank you, Rob. Um, he says Loyola is now 19 in your rankings, uh, 17 and one only lost was to Santa Fe Catholic in Florida. Even in this loss, it seemed Loyola grinded the game to their slow tempo. It was 38 to 35. That loss Loyola has Homewood Flossmore on Saturday, then Evanston in two weeks. So they'll finally get their tests. Anyway, as a newbie, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on their defense grind style as it relates to Illinois basketball. Any historical teams have great success. Is there a team or two that tries this template every year? Then once they're down five to ten points in the second half, they just don't have the offense to come back. Um, yeah, I think in a lot of re- in a lot of ways, Rob, your the second part of your question answered the first. Loyola is number nineteen. And they have like a gaudy record, but they their big win is against Notre Dame, and it, that's a great win. Anthony Sales, it was like the first or second one without him, so that, that kind of hurt a little bit in my eyes. But the main reason I have trouble ranking a team like Loyola really high is that no, there is not a template of success for that in the playoffs. It, there's just a shelf life for it. Uh, the only team I come up with even recently who was kind of close to that and succeeded at a high level, but I really don't think they were close was that Frem team from a couple of years ago, but their offense was crisp as heck. You know what I mean? And they moved the ball like few high school teams I've ever seen. Um, they just were lower scoring. Um, I mean, what do you think, Joe? Have you, do you have any- I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with style. I, I think they lost to better teams when they got to the <laughs> state tournament, you know? I mean, uh, They've been to a super sectional. They've been to sectional championships. They've they've made some runs. In particular, I'm talking about Loyola. And um, oh yeah, but those teams didn't play I, like I, this. Those teams shot the ball. Well, I I just don't I just don't see it at. I mean, their point totals aren't. They're they're not playing every game in the 30s. I mean, you, you look most of their games are in the 50s and 60s. So they they must be shooting the ball at some point. Um, so I, 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 you know, there's a template is of, they've had a lot of success. I mean, there's no denial for a program that has had, well, this year they have a division one player, but I mean, it's not like they're churning out division one talent. And so, yeah, I, I just think it's a different way of playing. I think, um, it's been highly successful for them. And the reason they don't, Aren't, haven't played in Peoria is not because of their style. Is is just my opinion. I, I don't think it has anything to do with with, with why they haven't gone to Peoria because they've done they've done everything else as a program. See, they, this team the last couple of years doesn't remind me of those teams. They shot the three really well, you know, and and the one of those teams could have won super sectionals. I think I, I don't. To me, I'm talking about this is a totally different defensive oriented team compared to those. 
other successful Loyola teams in my mind. This is much more of a um, – Well, now we're talking defense, though. So they're yeah. better defensively, you're saying, or they're not? They're Oh, they're, I think these guys are better defensively because the size helps a lot. But their offense – that would, that would be a good thing, then. Oh, yeah, definitely. But they just they, – they don't have the, the offensive firepower that those teams had. Yeah, I mean, the if you're going back to the one with – Cusera and Morrissey and and um, yeah, I mean that was you know, that, I Dottino's mean best team there, right? Yeah, it was, a, it was definitely the most fun team. There's no question. Uh, but I mean, I, I just think I, I just I mean every team is different. You're not going to get. Do you know what I mean? Everybody's personnel is different, and to and I think they do a terrific job of of, of adjusting to what the personnel they have, you know, good coaches do. So, yeah, I, I just don't – bottom line is I just don't think it, the style or system has anything to do with how translates to postseason success is my my opinion. I mean, you, you can't create something that's not there. I mean, as far as the, the, uh, every single team you have, you can't just say, hey, let's run and gun, let's score 60 with this group. Every single night. Well, I guess the question is: Have you seen a heavily defense-oriented team go f- get to Peoria? That's well. I mean, I, 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 I think almost every team, Mike, is. I mean, the Belleville West team from two years ago was a phenomenal. And again, everybody talks about what is the gauge of what's great defensive team. Everybody plays different styles of defense. I mean, Bennett Academy. I mean, that you're not going to Bennett Academy is one of the best defensive teams you'll ever find. It is so challenging and difficult with their pack line defense. I mean, you you can't you you can't find your way to the basket against them, and they've they've done that for years and years. And they've been to Peoria, and they finished second in the state twice. Um, with again with very few Division One players. So yeah, I I, I think defense. I Defense is pretty critical to get to Peoria. So, yeah, I, I I mean, again, Belleville West, again, two years ago. Not so much last year, but that was a phenomenal defensive team. Yeah, I don't want to hit this too much, but he's talking – Rob's question is what I'm talking about. It's teams that don't want there to be a lot of points in the game. They don't want to shoot it quick. They want to have long possessions. I'm talking. We're talking about the Wheaton South style, you know, what Loyola's playing now. Well, we've seen – you know, a lot of teams do. Yeah, I don't and see Loyola. I don't Venice. see Loyola and Wheaton South in the same in the same realm of things. So, all right, we'll move it along. Uh, Brady Roberts is up next. This is a very long question. Um, it's about DeKalb. Um, I guess Joe has seen DeKalb. I have not. Um, so I don't have a ton to say. Brady informed me a lot about DeKalb. I have issues with DeKalb because they're new to my world. Um, and t- I was I was thinking about though they, we historically and I, I'm a guilty of this too because I agree with what you're about to say and what you started saying, and, but I went back to think about it like historically they had a long long run in the upstate eight old school basketball like back in when I was a kid and you know my early adult you know they a good program they were with the Elgins and the East Roars and West Roars and they were kind of the a part of it you know and then got away from it. A little bit, and then now they're well smack dab in the Western suburbs, 
with which makes no geographical sense with the Naperville's and uh, Matia Valley and so forth. But I, I guess we should have always kind of counted them as. I, I think it came down to you can't get a subscription. <laughs> yeah, what was the one school? Was it Ottawa? Yeah. You included them one week because they had papers in the gas station? I called the gas station in Ottawa <laughs> and asked. Because we're in like, <laughs> we used to just define it very simply by, you know, who could get the paper delivered. That was the sometimes coverage area. But that seems really stupid to me now, kind of in 2020. So I've like kind of opened it up a little bit. So DeKalb was not in our coverage area. You were not ranked. You could not make all area, all that kind of stuff. You just were not, you were outside of our walls. But now that they're in the DuPage Valley Conference, it seems really silly not to add them. So I decided this season, football and basketball, to add them. And they did have a football player make all area. And I've been paying more attention to them. I have not seen them. And I've considered them for the rankings the last three weeks because I have frankly needed some teams desperately. It's been one of these years when teams are just not playing their way in. And it's a nightmare for me to pick these last few. So I've been really wanting DeKalb to step up and get in. There just hasn't, they haven't had the wins. You know, they yeah, won't. And I, I had a big DeKalb. I, 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 the reason I didn't pump up DeKalb is because they're, they're, they lost basically their best player to a knee injury. Hasn't played all year. <laughs> so Isaiah Youngquist, and, and he's a three-year varsity guy, gone, playmaker, done. You know, and so I'm like, oh, okay. And then I saw them at Thanksgiving. Now, obviously, Albion Kalana left. Uh, Mike Reynolds from Galesburg has done a great job at Galesburg over the years, took over. And there's going to be some, you know, growing pains, I would assume, you know, in the first, you know, a few weeks of the season and getting everything down and accustomed and, and what was happening. And, you know, I saw them lose and they, they didn't want their. Obviously, they weren't playing their best basketball Thanksgiving at the Oswego Thanksgiving tournament. They took a couple losses there, and they came out of Thanksgiving, lost to St. Charles North. So, but I have seen them. I, they they're good. I mean, Trenton Kyler is a good-looking junior guard uh, who I like. Joe Owens provides some size and a little bit of you know athleticism for them. Length, six-five kid. So I, I, you know, their first place they beat Wabansi Valley. So. Yeah, I, I I get why they're not ranked because they've got some losses to unranked teams and they have one win against a ranked team. Only well, played one ranked team, uh, and that's, that's Wabansi Valley issue, that yeah. just jumped into the ranking. So, you know, going forward, could they? Yeah, I mean, they're on a run right now, man. I mean, they are hot. Uh, they are in a winnable sectional. So it, it's a there's a lot ahead um, for for the Barb's. Yeah, it should be fun. I'm looking forward to getting out and seeing them. I don't know if I'll make the trip to DeKalb, even though Brady has a lot of good things to say about the crow's nest. <laughs> When's the last time you were at the crow's nest, Joe? They have a nice gym. Yeah, that's what he says. Yeah. Really, really nice yeah, gym. Never been. Actually, yeah. that's not true. I have been there, now that I think about it. Um, for the a, new, gym? new school? They, they, I, they, do, they do that thing, that tournament. Um, that <laughs> thing? Yeah. Chris, they, Christmas tournament? Um, yeah, yeah, I was there like... <laughs> I don't know if it was the new gym or not because it was a while ago. But, no, I was at the tournament now that I think about it. Um, all right, next up, Scott Young. Um, he says he has a son in high school, one that plays college ball. He wants to know what the IHSA has against the shot clock. There is nothing more exhausting than watching a point guard holding the ball at midcourt for a minute and a half, waiting for the last eight seconds to take a bad shot. There is a definite change in the feel of the game with the shot clock. Um, <laughs> first off, Scott, the IHSA I don't think has an opinion one way or another 
on the shot clock. They basically do almost everything based on what the National Federation does, and they kind of just tailor their rules to that. And the National Federation currently does not have the shot clock. The IHSA has already said that when the National Federation gets the shot clock, they will also follow suit. Now, it is a little interesting. We thought that was going to happen two years ago. We thought this... And there are there are states with shot clocks. Yes. Um, we thought this was going to be the first year of the shot clock two years ago. Because we thought the NFH, NFHS was going to pass it. And then the IHSA said it was going to take a little while to get it ready. But they said 2019-20 would be the first year. So this could have been our first year with the shot clock. But in kind of an upset, it did not pass. And so it still has not passed the NFHS. As far as I understand... I kind of still expect it to, but maybe it's not as likely as we thought two years ago. Yeah, I, I think it's inevitable that I don't know if it'll be two years, five years. What I don't know. I, I but it's it'll be here, and, and it's going to be welcomed with open arms by both Mike and myself, but also almost every high school coach, um, including um, Loyola. There was some. Um... They, they would love a shot clock. So, uh, even though it's hard as some people might not think that, but there are coaches. Well, it, it wouldn't impact them. I actually they... stopwatched their game on Saturday. There was one possession that was 35 seconds. I don't think it was theirs. I think it was Viator, actually. Co- coaches want, I mean, by and large, they all want it. So. Well, the uh... question is, what will it be? Because I was, I got in these arguments all the time on. Twitter, because I keep saying the 35-second shot clock is not going to change anything. And somebody sent me, I guess USA Basketball recommends... Um, Wait a minute. What do you mean 30... What do you mean it's not going to change anything? I don't get it. I've been stop-watching regularly. There just aren't enough possessions that come close to 35 seconds, except for when they hold well, the ball. Well, for the bare minimum, the holding the ball. Yeah, that, that that's all it would impact. Yeah. I mean, I I, I don't want 24 seconds. I mean, see, Mike... Well, no, that's what it, I'm saying. That's it, what USA Basketball recommends. Yeah, but... Okay, that's a disaster for high school. Do you, I mean, if you are, oh, oh, I should say this: what it's a disaster they, if you actually like to watch real basketball. So you don't because, want the twenty-four second? No, because you can't. You know how long it takes for a high school team to get into like a set or a. I mean, what they want to run or uh, their different action that they have. It, it, it's not. It, it would not be conducive to doing that. And now, if you just want to go running up and down, up and down with with no structure. Yeah, I mean, it'd be that's what you go with, but I mean, I, I mean, twenty four second. I mean, college is not the same as the NBA, so why would high school be? Yeah, I mean, twenty four second would it would come closer, much closer to impacting things. Thirty wouldn't even have a huge impact from what I've. But I've seen more research. teams holding it for long stretches. Well, especially in overtime, and, and with the ball on the hip yeah. and at the end of quarters and I mean that knocks out a I'm asking it for a minute 10. Oh yeah. 50. Overtime I mean, they'll do 3 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So no the bare yeah. minimum I still want them to be a, I still enjoy watching the nuances of how offensives are run and and the 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 technicians in the game and I don't think 24 seconds allowed for a high school team. I mean jeez. Yeah. So I I 30 30, 30, 35 would be my, you know, would be my number. I, I don't know why you wouldn't just do the same as college. 
yeah, I, I don't know what, who knows what they're going to do. And it, it is weird though, that it didn't happen. I, I've not, you know, I was really into it two years ago because we thought it was coming and I've not made the calls and seen kind of where the current national thing stands. And now the um, three point line, like college, college coaches are all not up in arms, but like Joe, I mean, that's the difference now. It's, it's, it's really impacting three because they moved the line back yeah. and now high school's shorter and you know, it's a three point shooter in high school now is he going to be the equivalent of that in college? And again, I don't know why the three point line wouldn't be the same as college. as high school too. See, a lot of me just hates all this. I don't give a crap. <laughs> it's high school basketball. Why do we have to like, I don't care if college coaches aren't happy, you know, can't we just, no, I, I just, I, I just don't like different rules for different. Well, it's a, it's a longer it's game. Are we going to make the high school game as long as the college game? And then, well, minutes is not the same as actually the rules of the game. Well, it is when you start doing the shot clock. But so you want NBA shot clock? But, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's just we. I, I mean, you have to have a number. So if you're arbitrarily just going to select the number, I would just leave everything alone. So That's no it. shot clock. Yeah, I'm not in favor of it. I think it's a lot. Oh, of, really? Oh yeah, I think it's. I, mean, I don't really care if they do it because I know it's not going to matter. Oh, I am so on the shot yeah. clock. Badly. I mean, go sit at the Dipper for eight games and tell me how much the shot clock matters and then get back to me. <laughs> yeah, I have no interest in going to the Dipper. <laughs> but, but you could be there three hey. days and it'll go off twice. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, but you're seeing a lot of horse crap <laughs> basketball. I mean, even in the old days, the Dipper, the shot clock, was it was like this gimmick. And we a, got it was there. Well, I would like a shot clock at the Jack Tosh Holiday Tournament. <laughs> You know what? Maybe maybe you should do that. that could, so that would be fun. I mean, York can I, afford it. They I, could do I will, it. Yeah. I'll take my your dipper and one up you with my yeah. my Tosh. So I no, I it, it's it's needed. Yeah, I just really don't care either way. But do you want the three point line gone too? <laughs> no, we can keep it away. I don't want to move back. No thanks. Um, I mean. Some of the courts I'm on, they would put it at half court <laughs> if they moved it back in the city. What about Leo? <laughs> yeah, it would be. <laughs> I forgot that would be pretty funny, actually. <laughs> He's shooting his uh, half court three. They wouldn't have any <laughs> on the side of the yeah. corners. <laughs> yeah, seriously, at Lincoln Park, if they moved it back, it would be out of bounds. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. That's pretty good. All right. That was my laugh for the day. All right. Next up, James Cerniak. Um, this is, oh, here we go. But our thoughts on the uh, 4A Elite 8 and Final Four. Um, okay, we're going to get into this. Um, James Cerniak says that he his, his winners are Evanston, St. Charles North, Joliet West. Do I like James? And uh, Curie um, winning over there at Northwestern. But this is the breakdown for 4A. These are the what the IHSA has. Um, it's kind of just a blind draw. Illinois State super sectional winner. We'll play the Northern Illinois Super Sectional winner in the Collinsville first, in the first semi over Joliet West. Um, well, no, that's that, that the ISU Super. So it's either Collinsville or Joliet West. With Bonzi and Bolingbrook in there, and they're going to play the winner of the not exactly loaded Northern Illinois Sectional, which Ooh. could be the Barb's um, of DeKalb, St. Charles North, Lake Park um, are in there. So I would say that is the weaker game. Uh, most likely. Then the second semi is loaded. It'll be the Sears Center Super Sectional winner, which could be Evanston, Stevenson, Mundelein, 
uh, some a good top tier contenders there, a couple more against the Northwestern Super Sectional, which is basically the entire Super Twenty Five. Curie, Bloom, Young, Simeon, HF, Lincoln Park, Thornton. I mean, all of the South Suburbs and most of the city against the North is the second one. So you could wind up, I guess, ideally, maybe, what, a 30-0, and 0, what is it now, 30 I, I, I would like to, if you combined the, those, that super sectional with the other, those, that, that could be 20 of your top 25. Oh yeah, when you—I mean, because you're talking about like the Evansons and Liolas and the Stevensons and the yeah. I mean, that's man. Yeah, it, it's rough. Thank goodness, Wabonzi Valley has asserted itself <laughs> into the talk with the that ISU super. That helps, but so you know, we could wind up with whatever publicly powerhouse or Evanston or Thornton against Collinsville in the title game, you know, or Joliet West, and I don't know. I would need like mental help <laughs> let's not uh... joe i'm not certain i could cover a joliet west state title game i'll step in somebody would have to help that might be wow okay let's move on because even thinking about that's freaking me out um class 3a the way it, it, it fell is the sears center super sectional against the springfield super sectional so the sears center would be Either Bogan, Morgan Park, Kankakee, Hillcrest, Bennett, Hinsdale South, Oak Forest. A lot of possibilities there against all I've got out of Springfield is Lanfear. <laughs> I have no clue who else might. The Champaign, Springfield area um, does not seem incredibly strong. In I mean, Link, yeah, Lincoln's hosting a sectional, and they're always tough at home, and they're, they're pretty good. Um, yeah, that's it. That whole, man. That area is down. Um, and, and Mount Mount Vernon sectional. Oof. Yeah, it's 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 down. Then you've got the Northwestern three um, A, which is North Lawndale, Fenwick, Farragut, most likely Notre Dame. They're kind of the big dog in that now. I would say against the Northern Illinois super sectional, which is the Rockford area and the Peoria area. Um, so maybe Boylan. Who knows? Yeah. Um. So that could set up for a really great title game between maybe Notre Dame and Bogan or who would that be a rematch, whoever comes out of the other game. DePaul uh, Prep's over there too. Oh, yeah, yeah, DePaul Prep. They should a uh, new top 10 team, DePaul Prep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. these The way these things fall is the way they fall. Now that it's – it used to seem like a bigger deal when there were more – when there were eight teams. <laughs> but well, and it used to be four, a bigger deal yeah. when – <laughs> 15 of them weren't one sectional yeah no that's, a, that's or one a one i mean you really not you really knock out one super section you'll knock out 20 of your top teams yeah it's um yeah it's a real shame it's a shame that the year the south suburbs are loaded that they're not against the isu or sorry you know against the metro east you know the st louis yeah. area that that worked out a little bit better state-wise but anyway two takes you want to start us off are you got anything else on that um do, do, no <laughs> do you have any picks I, uh, I mean i have to really go and break it down to yeah. just throw out some names right now as a little i mean i i don't know it's hard and you know i really like to see like who's got to win on the road somewhere tough and who's got a at this point it's just blind you know you don't know the path so yeah yeah, uh, first take. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, thinking about 
you know, some of the top tandems in, in Illinois, like two best players on a team, and there, there's some, there's some great ones. I mean, you, have, you know, Adam Miller and Anna Weston is one that comes to mind at, at, at Morgan Park, and and several others. And we don't talk a whole lot of small school one A basketball, and I just keep seeing the numbers that these two kids are putting up. And you know, Yorkville Christian, I talked about him a while back with Jaden Shoot. Mike, these two kids, Jaden Shoot and Micah Schneiders, are averaging combined almost 48 points a game, just between the two of them. Shoot's 24, Micah Lillard 23. Uh, Shoot's averaging nine rebounds a game. Micah Schneiders. Now, Micah Schneiders has really kind of emerged. He is, he's been around. I mean, he's played at several high schools, and he's, his final stop here is Yorkville Christian. He's got 23 points, eight assists, five rebounds a game. He's brought a lot of college coaches out from, I mean, a, a wide range of, of interest from high level D3 all the way to low Division One, and, and a whole bunch of D, Division Twos and NAIA's have been checking him out. And he is really a different player than what I've seen him over the course of his career. He's become a better playmaker, uh, playing point guard for them. So this. Those are just some crazy numbers for two kids on one team. I don't know if I've – have you ever – do you remember a, a two players that average almost 50 points a game between them in your time, you know, regardless of the hmm. school or level? I mean, I that's, that's astonishing to me. And, and, and Shoot has 73 three-pointers on January. <laughs> we're at the midway point. Uh, so if your full Christian were to make a run, State tournament run again. They're one A, and they play a good one A schedule. Actually, you, you, you tend to forget they, they've won out, and you know they got beat up by Stevenson. I know, but they've played a lot of three A and four A schools uh, over the course of their schedule. They got it one coming up this mo- next Monday against Glenbard West on Martin Luther King Day. Uh, he's got seventy three threes, forty six percent from three. I've called him the, one of the best shooters I've ever seen in high school basketball, and I, I, I stand by that. Uh, but, yeah, this tandem to me just just jumps out at me, and I just have never seen two players averaging or putting that many points on the board combined on one team. Yeah, I'll be at that Glenbard West game. That should be fun. Get to see him and uh, Brayden Huff, who I think you'll talk about later. Um, my first take's a bit of a rant. Hopefully by the time you guys listen to this, this is over and all has gone well, but I'm sure you saw the news on the website. I think my bosses were a little shocked by how many people wanted to read the news about Pat Gordon getting suspended at Lincoln Park. You know, Pat Gordon, for, I mean, I think you saw, if you saw on Twitter after I tweeted it out, the number of, you know, kind of well-known high school people that were speaking up on Pat's behalf. Um, it's a real shame the way this is going right now. Um you know, some kids did some stuff when they were on a trip in Detroit. Um, and it sounds like there was a disgruntled parent that brought this to the attention of the interim principal at Lincoln Park. And all of a sudden, they're not talking about the incident anymore. They're talking about the fact that, I guess, not everything was approved paperwork-wise for the trip to Detroit and all this stuff. And it just seems like Pat Gordon is, you know, a good guy and a good coach and someone who's doing things the right way caught in a spot here where because of that CPS sex scandal two years ago, was it when the trip did the big story, the CPS is so terrified of 
that word anything near it you know pat gordon didn't do anything it was you know a thing between kids blah 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 i'm gonna get too much into it here but it seems like i'm worried he might take the fall for some incompetence at the cps over the last two decades that he had nothing to do with just because his you know name is getting thrown in there i think it's going to be decided he had a hearing today which is monday when we're recording this he thought it went pretty well but he's thinks he's going to hear on Tuesday might be in, could go on for 45 days. Let's hope that does not happen. But I guess that's a possibility, the suspension, but I'm hoping everything works out. And by the time you're listening to this, that Pat Gordon is bad back on the sideline, because we've got a lot of coaches out there that aren't doing things the right way. And Pat is, and I hope everything goes well for him. That's, that's the, your last point is what should be highlighted. I mean, all the, uh, I, he, he has done nothing, but, been first class uh, throughout his, you know, career as a head coach, and and exactly right of of what he does for the kids, what he has done, uh, you know, beyond the success they've had. Actually, I mean, he's obviously they've had a lot of success under him. So yeah, I yeah, I mean, it's, he, he's a it's a very good coach, but he's also just a terrific guy. Uh, my my take is on Twitter a, a little rant. It's on Twitter. My, my take is on Twitter. Twitter. Uh, Twitter. I'm not the. I'm not the biggest tweeter. I'm just not. I, I do my share. I try to get stories out there that promote the sport of high school basketball. I get maybe some pertinent information out regarding recruitment when it matters. Highlight some players. But compared to the mass majority of, of basketball people out there, I guess I just don't tweet as much. And I bring this up. Just simply because I've received like, these questions from people or been asked about, hey, why maybe I don't tweet all the time, uh, or the hey Joe, give my guy some love on Twitter, will you? Well, it's 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 partly because I don't want to, but it's it's mostly <laughs> it's but it's mostly because everyone tweets everything all the time, and I I just think it becomes hard to decipher what really matters. In my tweets, if I'm tweeting all the time about every single kid and every single player, uh, not every game or every player I go and watch generates a need or an impulse to tweet something great about them. I, I'm just not going to do it. So in that regard, I guess just know that if I and when I do tweet that it's significant <laughs> in terms of what I'm saying and my thoughts behind it. I guess I just want it to mean something. I, I know it's social media and everyone has the right to tweet whatever they want and free reign to put out whatever they want. I get it. That's just not going to be me. I mean, seriously, the amount of superlatives being thrown around about every single kid on Twitter each night of the week, um, followed by the sleeping on this kid and no respect. That's um, <laughs> all thrown around. I just... Uh, it just becomes a bit too much to me. So to answer some of those people that ask, uh, that's my my rant, I guess. And and finally, also, I'm sorry to everyone who I don't follow on Twitter. There. That's my Twitter rant. Oh, wow. A blanket apology to thousands of people. <laughs> that's pretty good. I just, Mike, I just, it, I mean, you. it's my... Joe, when I, somebody asks you to show them some love on Twitter, you say, yeah, sure. And then you forget about it and they'll never I, check. No, but like <laughs> I, I waste time sometimes with, you know, again, I'm doing the evaluation recruiting service and college coaches will be calling me or texting me. Joe, what about this kid? Everybody's tweeted about him and, and it'll be like a division three player. And, and, you know, Texas has asked me about him. I, you know, it, it's just, or, Hey, this kid's going crazy at this game. 
and I'm at the game. I go, no, I'm here, and the kid's just doing okay. You know, it, it's just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I get what Twitter is. I understand it. It's not like I'm, I sound like I'm 73 and from 1972, but I, I just, I, I, I don't know if this makes sense. It's just, well, that's my, my, my rant. Yeah, well, a lot of people, a lot of people don't write things really. They just tweet. And, well, that's true too. I, and and a lot of people are like Joe, you don't tweet at every game you're at. I go, no, not 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 every game. Uh, you know, I, or I tweet like every. No, it's a big game or something. I, 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 when it's really noteworthy, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will, but a, a lot of times I will, and people have seen this in some of my notebooks. They're pretty lengthy. So if you don't like to read, don't read my stuff because I will gather a lot of stuff. Just per- perfect example. Some of the stuff I went to this weekend, I, I kept in a, you know, a notebook in, or in my head and then I go and go the old fashioned way and I put it all into a long 14, 1800 word piece and then I tweet it out. <laughs> so but, I don't know. All right, um, Joe Hendrickson on Twitter. I didn't know that was coming. That was fun. Okay, my uh, my uh, I had a nice week. Um, is what my mine is on about a little. You know, I like to talk some white basketball, white division basketball. <laughs> that could have come off as bad. Wow, I didn't know where we we're going. <laughs> yeah, white um, man coming back. And, okay, go yeah, ahead. I like to um, head down. I get tired of seeing all the same teams and having all the same people yelling at me, and so I like to go different places and. Um, so I tried that last week. However, sometimes I do get a little nervous when I'm doing it for the print newspaper that, oh boy, I'm not sure this game is going to be good enough for, you know, the wider sometimes audience and what if it's cruddy. And so I, I'm a little nervous sometimes when I show up and it always works out. I shouldn't be, but this week was just a absolute terrific, you know, experience. My, my first was over at uh, Northeastern Illinois University. I saw Taft and Von Steuben. And initially I get there and I hear that Ola Ajaboye, is that how you pronounce it? Um, who I really wanted to see from Von Steuben, I've not seen him yet, um, had been hurt the day or two before and wasn't playing. So I'm like, oh my goodness, this kid I came here to see and write about isn't even playing. I got Taft and Von Steuben. And then, you know, the game starts up and it's not a huge gym, um, kind of just one side of bleachers, but, uh, you know, much bigger than Von's gym would have been, you know, I would say three or 400 people, but it was packed and they were almost all students. And that's pretty rare in this day and age to see, you know, that like kind of an all student crowd at a game and they were loud and into it. And it was, it was a good game. And then it had an absolutely terrific ending um, with, you know, a steal and Dexter Stiegel, the quarterback for Taft, you know, misses the layup and they get a put back and win. They go nuts. Absolutely great game. Great day out there, even despite the fact that the star wasn't there. And then the next night I went to Dunbar to see Dunbar and Phillips and I was not prepared for what I walked into there. It's the kind of night that makes you wonder, at 6 o'clock in, this, in the city of Chicago, any night of the week, how many people are watching high school basketball? You know, we think of the big games that we go to, and there's a lot of people there, but this place was packed. It wasn't sold out, but it was nearly full, the Dunbar Gym. It's not a small gym. It's a decent-sized gym, and they were into it. Both bands were there. It was louder than heck. Everyone was into every single play. Dunbar and Phillips. Phillips has not lost um, to a team in Chicago, and they're pretty good. They're going to be a factor in 2A. They won the game. Um, they have a really good senior, Keon Joyner, 
16 points, 13 rebounds. He was six for nine from the field. Kind of a strong, athletic, uh, kind of Farragut-ish type player, if you want to uh, think about him like that. He's a four-year varsity guy. And, you know, I was talking with Lawrence Briggs, their coach, and he's just really kind of the light switch kind of flipped with him. And he's just become a monster for them. Then they've got some gamer guys like Jarrell Savage, who's a really good senior. And then Ronald Pledger, the D1 football guy, just flying all over the place. I wouldn't be surprised at all if somehow, you know, Phillips can get by Corliss and win that sectional even. Um, They're a really good team. Uh, Dunbar, I felt bad because these kids really wanted me to come to this game for two years. They'd been on me on Twitter, Joe, (laughs) trying to get me to come to this game, and it worked. Um, And they just, they started off terribly, couldn't get it going. But they do have a pair of nice sophomores, Jarrell Edwards and Isaiah Robinson. But I guess my larger point is, man, high school basketball is alive and well in ways that we don't even think about or realize. You know, also, Jack Leeson tweeted out that St. Francis Wheaton Academy crowd. I don't know if you saw that. Mm-hmm. It was packed. Absolutely packed. I mean, it, it's kind of amazing to me how many people are watching this sport on a given night. Was, was that particular game with Dunbar, would both schools have equal fans, or was it all predominantly is that Dunbar? There were so? more. There were more Dunbar students, but no, there was a ton of fans, alumni from both. It's a bigger, bigger rivalry than I realized. Um, I guess it dates pretty far back, you know, eighty some years. So it's a big deal. Um, I kind of just lucked into that. I, I was not certain, but yeah, it was. I, I never seen two bands at a public league game like that, and everybody just yeah, they were really into it. It it had the feel of a big time Red West showdown, you know, with like a top five ranking on the line. Um, and it's just down there in the white division, the mighty men. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I haven't been in that gym forever. It hasn't changed. <laughs> right. Let me tell you. <sighs> well, we, uh, going to break down here. Our five, Mike and I both have Mike's going to start it out with his five kind of breakout players of this 2019, 2020 season. And, he had, he put some parameters and rules on stipulations on his top or his five breakouts and you know in general I think both of us uh, mine was just basically doing bigger better significant things in comparison to a year ago or just not even being on the radar a year ago uh, and Mike can tell you kind of his five and, and we'll, we'll we'll start talking about them. Yeah, I went with five guys who weren't on my top 50 players list because I spent a lot of time working that out. And I guess not now I'm realizing, you know, Ishmael Habib was not on that list. He was my last cut and a real killer because I think he's a heck of a player. And he's not on this list either. I oh. Just, I just feel like he's too well established to me. Yeah, I, I, I think he's really taken his game to another level, though. But yeah. that's for yeah. from a, again, I, evaluation purpose. But I he's definitely in my eyes. He's not on my list, but... Uh, so I guess we're doing 11. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I loved what he did last year, so I was not surprised. If anything, until recently, I was I thought he was a little disappointed in this season, but now he's picked it up. Um, he's back kind of to what I thought. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, two 33-point exactly. games last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I kind of thought we'd be getting more of. But anyway, my first kid is a kid we have not talked – we talked about a little bit, but not a ton. Elijah Pickens from Curie. I'll go as far to say I'm not sure there's been a more important – unknown player on our in, in the entire state he has made curie the number one team in our area we knew what Ramian hinton was and yeah you know armand williams has played well savion williams his brother but elijah pickens is the one who i did not know about who picked his game up and 
became an absolute star. He is a rock solid point guard for them. We saw what happened when he left the game with about four minutes left uh, against Joliet West. Everything fell apart and Joliet West was, got back into that game. They need him on the court almost at all times. And he has recently started to score and to score a lot. He had 17 against Simeon. He had 17 last week against Bogan. 14 against Bloom in the title game, 13 even though he fouled out against Joliet West. And he, he's adding, you know, five or six assists a game. But more importantly, he is the calm rock point guard of that team. And now that he has started to score more, Curie has gotten even better. Um, he's starting to get some D2, D3 looks, Elijah Pickens. But I have not been more surprised or impressed for a player to go from as little as he played last year to that focus of a number one team is pretty rare in my eyes. And he defends. He defends. And, you know, I, I think outsiders of the public league have this almost a stereotype of a point or point guard in the public league being a certain way, and he is not that guy. He is extremely poised, under control, and he's got a sneaky burst that gets into the rim. So, yeah, I he, he's been so instrumental in, in – Curie being a better team than most people thought. Uh, next up for me is a player I saw just once or twice last year, and I've seen once or twice this year, and he's just making that big step forward. And it's Jalen Houston, um, junior at Hyde Park. Um, every game I go to now, there's you know a mid-major coach there to see him. He's getting talked up. He scored 37 against Morgan Park um, last week. I don't think he played real well against Simeon, though, and full disclosure <laughs> in the, the loss to Simeon. But this season he is averaging 24 points, seven rebounds, five assists, and three steals. He's part of a really exciting young group of sophomores and juniors at Hyde Park. And I, I'm going to be interesting to see if they can pull off a big win this season. I think they've got it in them. But Jalen Houston is a player I think is going to really rise this spring and summer once he gets out there and has some more eyes on him. Yeah, I watched him a lot this summer, uh, both – you know, or with his high school or with his uh, AAU team. So he, he's the thing with him is he's just wired to score. He's wired to score the basketball. He's a he's a scorer at the guard position. Next guy, and this is sad that this is my breakout player, Joe, because I should have been um, his cheerleader, uh, Jameer Hill from Joliet West. We've talked about him a lot in the last couple of weeks. He's a senior. Um, he picked up his first D1 offer from Toledo. I have two stories to tell about Jameer Hill. Uh, first off, he's averaging 20 points, six rebounds, five assists, really good numbers. You know, you saw what he did at Pontiac. It was kind of his big coming out party. Um, the first story is, I guess, a bit embarrassing, but I was watching um, Joliet West for the first time this season at the Ridgewood shootout against Niles North um, when Aquan Smart went nuts. Jameer Hill was playing really well, and Jeremy Fears, senior, um, who was a star football and basketball player, Joliet, played at um, Ohio U, turned around and asked me and a person who I shall not throw under the bus <laughs> if we thought Jameer Hill was a uh, D1 player. And do you know what we said, Joe? I don't know. No. <laughs> really? Yep. Yep. Huh. I, I said no. The person who I will not throw under the bus also said no. And... Um, yeah, I jumped on that train quick. Took a couple of weeks, and that changed real quick, huh? Um, second story is I talked to Jameer Hill for a while. Um, at and it's funny because I got the video of that game. Yeah, that was and, the one. That, and and yeah. that's when I decided he was Division One player. I, well, I think he asked us in like the first quarter or something. Um, so <laughs> we did, I didn't even have that game. But 
But after I talked to Jameer Hill, because you know, I wanted to find out, you know, what happened, why he got so much better. Um, and so I, you know, a couple times, you know, I went different ways trying to get an answer. Jameer Hill 100% believes that he has not any better this season. He says he was this good last year, but nobody cared. Because the oh, team disrespect. Because the team was horrible. No, no, he gets uh, it. No, okay. He, yeah, he said the team was horrible. He said we couldn't beat anybody. He said it doesn't matter how good you are <laughs> when you're losing to everybody. And so he he doesn't think that anything has changed in his game. He's just like now I, the team is better. I have better people around me. You know, and it was interesting because I think maybe sometimes we underestimate how much you need that. You know. Yeah, I. I... I love Jameer Hill, and I'm his one of his biggest fans. And I have worked my tail off to, to get, generate interest with my all my hundred plus subscribers of college coaches. But uh, Jameer, you're better. Uh, <laughs> I, I watched you a lot this summer, and you were better than you were this summer. And there's no question in my mind. So, um, and and it, I mean, it just happens. I mean, I I, I believe him that he thinks that. I, I understand, but. He, he is just doing things differently. Um, he is in more command of his game. And, you know, the physical tools are there. It, it, but he is just, you know, much, very deserving of. of and, and there's going to be, I, I don't know if it, I wrote this or I said it in the podcast or whatever it might be, but uh, I guarantee there'll be Division One offers. And there are, there will be, and there are still, there'll be more to come. Yeah, he's a good, hard-nosed kid too. He 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 doesn't not a lot of wasted energy and effort and a lot of BS there. Um, next up, Brandon Hall Thornton. Not a kid. I you know he was on the radar, but he wasn't somebody I even thought about putting on the top fifty. And his numbers aren't going to jump out at you. Sixteen points, seven rebounds, four assists, two steals. But it, it you have to kind of see it, and you have to with DJ Williams. He should be mentioned to the senior. They have turned this Thornton team. Um, into something that is it, the sum. They're just more than you think they are. They're the team is better than they are all. In, they are all are individually, and Brandon Hall is one of the big reasons for that. He is the most dynamic talent there, and I'm. Um, I, I really think Thornton could beat HF tonight if you're listening to this. And then they're going to be a serious problem for number one. We're going to see because they're going to be undefeated. And Brandon Hall is just that guy. He gets the bucket when they absolutely need it. And he can play inside and out. I was really impressed with him so far this season. And you mentioned that he's on the radar. And that's kind of what he's been. He's been this this, uh, this prospect that has been talked about. And you're always waiting for it to, to, to come about. And time to come to fruition, and you can kind of start seeing it now. And he is starting to play at the level that a lot of us anticipated he'd be at. Next up, final for me is probably, maybe, probably, maybe, probably the guy that should have been on the top 50 that wasn't. I maybe should have had more faith in the people that were telling me things about T.Y. Johnson at DePaul. From what I understand, it's not Ty, Ty. He wants to be T.Y. It's Tyler Johnson, if you remember him from last year, the sophomore. Because we saw him a ton. Everybody, you know, DePaul prep was everywhere. Um, they made it state. Um, so we've all seen, you know, T.Y. Johnson play, but he is way better than I realized. And I don't have any numbers. You don't need numbers. I don't know if you watched the game that was on TV the other night. If you've seen him at all this season, he is a definite Division One player. I mean, I knew he could shoot. That was clear before, but he's stepped up in, boy, any, 
imaginable way from last year to become one of the better guards in the entire city, much less a breakout player. Yeah, he's rising um, in every way imaginable. He's got length. He's got tremendous – you mentioned he can shoot. But he's also has tremendous range on his shot, uh, and it doesn't really lose anything. And defensively, he, he really gets after it uh, on the defensive end. So he's one of the top 20 players in that class. That's it. That's my five. Yeah. My first one is a one, a player uh, that I've tweeted a lot about. <laughs> so, but Ben Swagger, anybody who knows uh, or follows you know, my Twitter, and it's kind of what I mean. I mean, okay, I've been pumping this kid up, and I mean it. And he's the 6'5 junior at Wabansi Valley. He was the seventh, eighth man last year on a you know, 28-win, 27-29 win team. Played very little, you know, just – Spot minutes here and there as a kind of a designated shooter. Uh, averaged, I don't know, two, three points a game last year. I don't remember well, him, and I saw them multiple times. So yeah, yeah <laughs> so he is, you know, had a, had a good offseason and generated a little bit of buzz, and I started talking about him. And, and But my reason to put him on here is just as a high school basketball player, he's just emerged. He's a, a, I saw him this past weekend. Put up 20, he had 26 or 28 at Neighborville Central. Uh, I, I saw them earlier in the year against Nequa Valley, and he had just three or four monster dunks. And he's a 6'5", long, athletic, late-blooming wing, one of my top 20 players in the class. He's averaging 17 points a game now. So he he's my first player. Um, I don't know if you've seen Wabansi yet. I don't think you have, or no. have you? <sighs> I have not. I really enjoyed watching them play last year, so I'm excited to see them good again. I really like Marcus Skeet, but no, I have not seen him. And and I think they're more enjoyable this year because they play a little differently in terms of off- offensively. I, I they're much more potent offensively, so I, I they're they're even more Should fun I to go watch. See that Lions game on Friday. Problem is, it's all the way up at Burlington Central. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Sounds no. like a good uh, game though. Yeah. Well. <laughs> next next one broke the rule on Mike's top 50. He was a top 50 player, Nate Shockey from York. And the reason I put him on there is because he's had a monster season. Last year on a pretty senior-dominated team that won a bunch of games and had a, really a great season, uh, he was the junior that, that you know, he, he had some nice games. He averaged 9, 10 points a game as a junior but right now he's at 22.6 points per game. He's the team's leading rebounder. He has 40 steals on the season. He's a, he's a very good defensive player, instinctual defensive player, uh, a shot maker on the perimeter, 6'2", 6'3", guard. He is going to North Dakota, so it's not like he's completely off the radar, but he has just taken his game to another level and become basically an all-state caliber player uh, from a junior who averaged you know, you know, 9, 10 points a game. Nate Shockey and York currently out of the rankings, but I'm sure they will be back in again. And whenever I think of that York group last year, I think of that game they gave Young. Remember that? Yeah. We yep. never we didn't talk about that so much. It's a program that should be getting a lot more respect, probably. Yeah. Uh, and this next one maybe shouldn't be included simply because Mike and I have talked about him so much this year, and that's Kristen Shoemate uh, at Bloom. And if you know anything about Christian Shoemate, you, you, he's he just screamed potential 
throughout his career with his athleticism and his body and his length. He was a Plainfield East and you know what? He just never truly tapped into the type of player that I I thought or hoped that he would become. And to his credit, I don't know what it's been, the change to Bloom, just accepting some things and and doing and, and using his greatest attributes to his strength, which is that that length and athleticism. His motor revved up, and he's become a huge factor for one of the state's best teams at Bloom. And now everybody talks about their big four, which are all signed – sealed and delivered to division one schools but christian shoemate has been an integral part of that that success this year as a shot blocking rebounding dunking machine and he's put up numbers he kind of energizes them energizes their crowd and games mike's talked about him as the most feared guy whatever i i just think he's just a a kid that it found his way in his senior year and it's going to pay off he he's got a lot of Division one schools kind of floating around and just he's a little bit of a tweener. Uh, so th- that's raised some, you know, skepticism. But, you know, he, he to me has solidified himself as a division one talent. <clears throat> yeah. You know, Bloom's kind of receded from the spotlight a bit here, huh? Just kind of schedule wise. You know, they're, yeah, they're out yeah. of town and there's no big game this week. They got a few big ones coming up, you yeah. know. Obviously, that rematch with Thornton. Uh, if if they take on Evanston, uh, if Ev- Evanston's still unbeaten at the Windsides Collide Shootout, that'll be pr- pretty fun. Uh, I, you know, you know, Bloom would be revved up for that one. That one, I mean, that's got to be game of the year now. Yeah, I mean, if Evanston goes in there on if Evanston goes in there unbeaten, that that's 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 pretty cool. Oh, that's gonna be great. All right, yes. Uh, <laughs> Braden Huff. Anyone listening is like, huh? <laughs> yeah. uh, we put him in the notebook every once in a while, but yeah, I've no yeah, idea. <laughs> never I, seen I'm him. about yeah. to, it's a precursor to what's to come. I'm about to blow this kid up, and I hate using that that phrase because I, everybody uses it. But Are you going to tweet about him? I'm going <laughs> to write a big story and then tweet the story. But, you know, I, I saw him this summer, long story short, fell in love with him this summer as a prospect. I, I did not know, and again, I, this is a whole another segment of a podcast, just the difference between seeing a prospect that you know is going to get there and you love everything about him versus the bona fide established high school player. I wasn't sure what he would, because really no one's seen him. I, I, I wasn't sure what kind of impact he would make, Mike, as a sophomore, because if you've seen, well, you haven't seen him, I don't think, but... No. I mean, he's rail thin. He's six eight, physically pretty weak. He is so ultra skilled uh, for his size, his position, and you know he steps out, hits threes. He can handle. He can pass it. And he, to me, he's one of the elite prospects. And and I'm coming out with my story this week that you know I, I think he's going to be a high major. I think he's the second best prospect in the class behind AJ Casey. That's how much I think of, of a Braden Huff. And he's putting up big numbers for Glenbard West team that has not, you know, played the toughest of schedules. But, you know, they're sitting at, I don't know what they are, uh, 12 and got 12 wins or 13 wins um, on the year, 12 and 2 on the year. So, and, and he's doing some damage. So he's a multi versatile player at his size. Timeout. I just caught that bit. So you think. Braden Huff, who I will see on Monday, I'm looking mm. forward to this, is is a better prospect than Robbie Avila. 
Yes, yes. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, and not that against Robbie Avila. I like Robbie Avila. But, the, I mean, this kid is uh, – and, again, I mean, I, I cannot clarify more in, than the, the, the prospect part of it. I, I, I just – you know, his shooting mechanics, his passing ability, uh, the way he moves. I mean, physically, he's not there. I mean, it, it, that's all to come. So he's a sophomore, and I, I just I, – I love him. So – and he's broken out this year for sure, oh, obviously. Oh, yeah. No, that's, and, that's uh, exciting. My hmm. fifth one is I, – I, I had to put him on here, Mike. He just scored 112 points in <laughs> two games over the weekend. Taj Davis. How many teams a, did that? <laughs> and a, and yeah. Aurora Christian. He, he equaled the amount of points that he had 58. You know, was out there on Twitter with 56. Uh, you know, uh, Dan B, the coach there, um, did the, the video and watched and said he actually had 58. He had so many points they couldn't keep track. So he had 58 points and then followed up with 54 I you know and I don't care who you're playing. I mean, the, the Chicago Christians not a they're a nice little team. Uh, he scored 54 against. He 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 didn't do it with like 13 threes in a game, and, and it's not based on this past weekend. He's averaging 30 a game now, 29 and a half points a game, and and I like the story, Mike, because if you know anything about Aurora Christian, they had a really good team last year. I think they, did they lose in the sectional final. I think I, I can't remember. Something I far, yeah. they were good know, enough that I saw him twice. Yeah, Jay Sean Thomas, really good looking junior guard, bolted, transferred, left, went to Whitney Young. Uh, Will Wolf, six five, was a small school all stater. He left, um, went to Oswego East. Now I, I was so excited about Roy Christian, I put them in my one side, the one side class shootout in another week. So they're playing it against Glenbard East in the first game of the shootout. But, you know, I, I thought, hey, this can be a really good, very good small school uh, state power. Now, Taj Davis has just completely taken over that team, averaging 29.5 points a game. And I I was kind of paying attention, but they're 11-2. And, two. and uh, you you lost those two, those two players. And Taj Davis, the catalyst, you know, putting up big numbers and – just kind of one of the real break. I think he averaged 11 maybe last year, 12 a game. I, I remember him, but I never thought of him as a guy who would even score 30 in a game. Yeah, I mean, he scored 34 in a game in December, and then this weekend, poof, he went bonkers. So, so. now so now you've got Taj Davis versus uh, Duran Hall. In yes, your, uh, 225-plus <laughs> yeah. point scores. That's pretty exciting for that you know game <laughs> in the one set. That, that, that worked out pretty well. All right. Yeah. I'll, well, I'll stick around for that. Um, is that last? Well, or you have first? to get there first, okay. early. <laughs> so, I'll do. I'll do that. That'll, that's, that's fine. Yeah, I don't yeah, mind. I think it goes. Uh, yeah, that game, and then, yeah, the, the other three. All right. Um, the week ahead is not too bad. Week Friday, um, and Saturday's not deep, but it's okay. Um, so yeah, we'll get to it. We have a kind of a dull public league slate tonight. If you listen to it on Tuesday, Curie is at Hyde Park. Morgan Park's at Corliss. Um, Bolingbrook is at Marion Catholic, which would have been the best game of the night, except we have HF at Thornton. It's a monster game. Monster game. We'll see how that goes. And then Notre Dame's at Fremd and what it should be a, a nice test for Notre Dame. Wednesday, we have Orr at North Lawndale. I think that's where I'm going to be. I want to get a look at the uh, Reggie Strong 
and uh, Tujate Williams' brother, Orr, the new look Orr. Um, also, Maris plays St. Rita at the United Center at 2 o'clock if you would like to see a high school basketball matinee at the United Center. Uh, we have the Brook versus the Ville and Wells versus Crane. Lincoln Park is at Marshall. Thursday, Corliss is at Simeon. Hyde Park Kenwood, huge rivalry. Oswego East is at Plainfield East. And probably the best game Thursday is St. Charles East at Bennett. St. Charles East we haven't talked a ton about this season. They've kind of been bubbling under, and we know that Bennett is, you know, a top 30 team. Uh, Friday, De La Salle at St. Rita. Deerfield at Naperville North. The game I think Joe and I might wind up at, Buffalo Grove at Rolling Meadows. Cam Craft's probably a kid we haven't talked enough about, so that could be a kind of spotlight game for him. Farragut is at Lincoln Park. North Lawndale is at Young. That should be another yeah, real good that, one. That's my back. It's one of those two yeah. I'll be at. Um, I was going to go there too, but I, then I'm seeing North Lawndale Wednesday. We'll see. But um, Clark is at Crane, two really good um, white division teams. Lincoln Way East is at Bolingbrook. Lincoln Way East has been – you know, if you notice, they've been in the rankings now for three weeks, I think, since Effingham. But I'm worried about putting them up too high because they don't have that big win, really. This will be their chance to prove it. And we know that there's a lot of history there. Lincoln Way East has taken down some loaded Bolingbrook teams. So maybe it'll be a reverse uh, this time. Hinsdale South is at Proviso East. Oak Park is at York, and which always is a really good game. And the one I talked about earlier, Lions and Wabonzi Valley are playing at some sort of concocted Burlington Central thing where everybody's playing like twice a day or something. Um, those are Joe's favorite events <laughs> in the Martin Luther King holiday. I just get confused by them. I don't know like what's going on. Mm. Um, but uh, Saturday, uh, those events take off in, ma- in mass. But um, and kind of an under-the-radar, two under-the-radar games I like on Saturday. Lincoln Way Central, who's a team loaded with juniors that are, it's dangerous. They are at Romeoville. And then Peoria Manual comes up to the city to play at DePaul. And kind of a matinee at 4.30, which is a fun one. Um, Wheaton North, who is off to a nice start. They're a solid team. They're at Hinsdale Central, which picked up a scalp <laughs> this week. Hinsdale Central, Ryan Isaacson. That's at 5 o'clock. Then another game in the afternoon up at Lake Zurich, at one of those things where they're playing multiple games a day. Glenbrook South at Mundelein. Um, that is potential to maybe be one of the most interesting games of the weekend. That's at 2.30. Uh, the entire Wheaton-Warrenville South tournament is going on. You can get the bracket for that on the website. And then the War on the Shore is especially intriguing this year, I would say. Uh, opens with New Trier against Oak Lawn at 1.30. Then Loyola against Homewood Flossmoor at 3. Just a huge week for Homewood Flossmoor. And then the nightcap, Evanston at Hillcrest at 4.30. Joe, I don't know, yeah. what, I don't know what to do with Hillcrest. Well, I mean... I mean, I saw them last night. I, I, I was afraid to tweet about it because I was afraid of what I'd say. Yeah, they had, they had rattled off some wins against some, you know, second-tier teams that I, I was hoping, okay, well, maybe that'll get them going. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, it just has not... I Hot mean, mess. You, 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 uh-huh. Every... And I, and I had high hopes. We both... Everybody did. And, you know, they're juniors, but... Nonetheless, it's just... I don't even know what to say. I mean, the individual talent seems to be there, but there's nobody that just, like... They don't have that Elijah Pickens. Like, not even close. You know what I mean? Nobody's yeah, I mean, just it, there to bring it together in any it, way. It, 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 yeah. that's, that's the starting point, is is, yeah. is 
steady point guard play. I don't know. I talked to Don Houston about it after the game, and you know he's he totally agrees. <laughs> it's just he knows they're not right. Um, he's not one of those coaches that's you know clueless and bewildered and acting like he should be in the top 10 based on you know the the talent level of the team he says yeah it's just not happening he says they're gonna get there (laughs) he believes that he thinks they're gonna figure it out Don Houston's a great coach he knows what he's doing but man it's frustrating you know I was sitting with their fans too and they're so into it and you saw at times them just take it to Simeon but then they just lose their way and they can't find it it's oh sorry yeah they, they were almost my take. I just didn't want to get too negative. <laughs> no, I didn't. Anyway, driving me nuts, Hillcrest. Uh, Sunday's pretty lame. All we've got is some games at Marshall. Best of the bunch is North Lawndale at Riverside Brookfield. Wow, that's a big week for the Phoenix, huh? It's uh, three games we've talked about. And then we'll hit on Monday here. We already talked about Yorkville Christian at Glenbard West at noon. Uh, it's Martin Luther King basketball. Then we got the big televised uh, doubleheader at Fenwick. Morgan Park at Notre Dame against Notre Dame. And then Simeon against Fenwick. Simeon cracked the rankings. Fenwick dropped out. So that game's not quite as exciting as it has been past years. And then we got a nice little shooter at Hyde Park, which is kind of unclear. Crane against Plainfield Central. I will say that I need to watch a Plainfield team play at Hyde Park. Just <laughs> as a person who grew up near Plainfield, that is a mind-blowing sight to me. So Crane against Plainfield Central at Hyde Park, get a weirder game than that in, in the world. Then apparently it is... I'd rather, I'd rather have it Plainfield Central at Crane, but... Yeah, that they go around it, but I mean, Plainfield Central at Hyde Park against Crane, that's crazy. Uh, now the second game is Lincoln Way East against TBA. <laughs> so They're good. I mean, but the thing is, Hyde Park is not in this shootout, and it's at Hyde Park. So it feels like that should be Hyde Park, right? And Lincoln Way East Hyde Park would be a good game. I would. Does Hyde Park it. play that day? No. I don't, I, well, at least they don't play in their gym, so maybe they're somewhere else. I didn't look. But then the, the headliner or last game of this shootout I'm scared about, because it seems like it might not happen, is Joliet West at, against Lincoln Park. Two ranked teams. Um, the kind of good game. Yeah, need a different taste. That could be the best game of the weekend. I'm gonna be there at five. I'll be there for all of it, even to see Lincoln Way East against TBA. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, we should have a lot to talk about on Tuesday, right? I mean, all this. Uh, yeah. I mean, basically, whoever wins the Wheaton Warrenville South tournament, we put number one, right? We're gonna have to <laughs> do the podcast later. Oh. Right. Is that something we can, the listeners don't need to care about? But Yeah, I had not thought see. about that, but um, we shall see. But all right, everybody, thanks for listening, and uh, enjoy your Martin Luther King weekend of hoops. We will be back at you on Tuesday.